I'm Bianca Vivion, and this is Ask Viv. Welcome to episode 16. It's been a long time. I shouldn't have left you. (laughs) If I can be honest with y'all, as I'm always honest with y'all, life has been kicking my ass. I mean, it has been kicking my ass. I, it has not let up. I don't know if it's Scorpio season or if it's the change in weather that leads to seasonal depression, but I had felt broken in a whole other kind of way. I think a new way that has, alhamdulillah, allowed for a rebuilding of self that I haven't undergone in such a long time. I mean, a complete rejuvenation and rebuilding of self, but that has been so scary and so hard. And I can't, I can't even for 10 seconds pretend like I had just been all peachy keen And it's just so funny because I think about the image that's portrayed across social mediums. And I think so much about the fact that if anybody would look at any page of mine, you would just think winning, winning, winning all the time. But it's not so much that I've been winning as I've been fighting all the time. And a lot of that fighting has been alone. And you know, it gets hard. It gets really, really hard. And that's so much of what I wanted to talk about today is that, you know, two episodes ago, I talked about letting things go and leaving people behind. And then I had my episode about promises and keeping the promises that you make to yourself and so much of that is about venturing into a necessary solitude that it takes to build up a strength of self to build up a strength of character so that you can go out into the world and follow your dreams and be the person that you need to be but I think that this is a clarification that's been needed because you do these things and you seek solitude and you protect your individuality But you only do those things so that you can go out into the world and be better to other people. You only do those things so that you become the best version of yourself that's the most capable of giving good love. And when you've been hurt to a point of abysmal pain, when you have just taken so many punches in this life, a lot of times it leads to such a hard-heartedness and disappointment that you think that if you just garner enough ambition, if you do enough self-care, if you do enough self-rejuvenation and you build up this beautiful world within yourself in which you're always winning 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 that it will make you less in need of good love and it's not so much that you hate love but it's that that pain is enough to want to be able to function without love when you know what it's going to cost you to engage in love when you know what you'll lose when you know the capacity for hurt when you felt love and then been struck with isolation all of that is enough to make you think really really think and foolishly so that there becomes a point in which you can be too good for love and I had been at that point and I think that I had forgotten and I had rejected the notion of good love because you get to a point where you just feel so damn strong and you're so damn smart and you're going out in the world and you're checking all of your boxes that for if even a short moment's time you convince yourself that you could go on without it but there's nothing more important than love and if I've never told you this before all 15 episodes prior to this yeah it's about working on the self it's about bettering your craft it's about learning more about yourself learning more about the world it's about 
understanding yourself, understanding the things that cause you pain, understanding your own memories, your own capacities for good, your own capacities for evil, and working on the self. But the only reason that you do that is so that you can go out into the world and be good to other people. If you cannot go out into the world and accept love, and cultivate love and give love and build love through the work that you're doing, then everything that you think you're doing that's so great for yourself is nothing but vanity. And so much of my issue in even wanting to start this show in the first place was that so much of what people were calling self-care, so much of what people were calling revolutionary, so much of what people were calling intellectualism, it was fundamentally dishonest because it was so absorbed in the self that even though maybe it started in the right place starting in the self, it never branched out to produce anything beyond that. And if the work that you're doing in the self does not cultivate good love outside of the self, meaning that if you can't love your family, if you can't love your neighbor, if you can't be kind to strangers, if you can't forgive your enemies, if you can't take the step to be righteous, if it all just comes down to being right, if it all just comes down to I'm better than the people that hurt me, I'm richer than the people that left me behind, I'm better than the family that raised me, if it all just comes down to I'm bettering the self because I so desperately need to be better, then it's work that's not only in vain, but it's actually ultimately detrimental to the self, to the world. And I'm not saying this as a judgment, I'm saying I've been there. I'm saying that I had come to a point in the last few months where I was so disheartened and disappointed and honestly brokenhearted with my personal life. So damn disappointed that I thought that I could leave everything behind, that I could recommit to the promises I had made to myself and that would heal that brokenheartedness that in some way that would fix that brokenness and that if I could just become the best version of myself through this very ambitious, misplaced sense of vengeance towards the people that have hurt me and the experiences that have broken me down and the times that I felt isolated, that I could be above a need for love. And I mean, take this as my lesson, you never get there. I'm at, I'm at, I'm at my, I'm having to start over completely because I'm trying to tell you don't even bother taking that path because you never get to the point where you don't need love. And in fact, you may self-isolate to the point where you don't even recognize yourself because our best selves are ourselves that are capable of receiving love. And I got to a point of such brokenheartedness and misrecognition and self-isolation and just sheer loneliness that I said, you know what? I think you got some more work to do. And you know, maybe seven weeks ago, nobody could really tell me shit because you get the apartment, you get the job, you start traveling the world, everything around you, you look, see and feel, it confirms that you're doing great and that you're doing well, but I was doing well poorly. Do you understand? I was doing well poorly. And so I need to talk to you all today about good love, the acceptance of good love. Love is the only real worthy labor. All else is madness. 
And I think it's why I love being an artist and why I've just reaffirmed that my calling is art. <laughs> because in art, you can always produce love. Anything that at the end of the day, it comes down to a contract and a bottom line, it's going to drain you. It's going to honestly drain you. It will keep you comfortable. It will keep you fed. It will keep you looking good. It will affirm whatever your sense of self is, but it cannot cultivate in you the sense of love that creation of art and creation of community does. So I've, I've learned that, that's what I've learned. But today we're gonna talk so much about good love because I can see that that sense of reckoning with needing other people just by reading y'all's questions, it's something I can tell that you're going through too. That feeling of thinking that you're above love or thinking that you can go without certain personal relationships, I know it's not just me. And I think that that's so much of this time of year. It's always about experiencing that sense of death, that sense of coldness that comes with the winter of understanding that if you thought that you could do it alone in the heat, when the grass was greener, when everything was going so smoothly and everything and everybody's bodies look good, come the winter time, you realize that it's all a farce, that you have to hold close to whatever kind of love that you can get, that you gotta call whoever's thinking about you, that you have to apologize for your own pride and your own ego because we can't do this alone. I cannot do this by myself. And if you all know me personally, you know that that is the hardest thing to admit in the world for me to just say those words. And wherever you are, I just want you, if you feel me, it's okay to say it out loud. I cannot do this by myself. You can say it. it I actually, you know, the thing is, is that that actually just made me way more emotional than I had prepared to be because I don't think that I've ever said that out loud, but I can't do this by myself and you cannot do it by yourself. So now we're gonna get into these questions because I know that's your favorite part. Dear Viv, my first real relationship was mentally and emotionally abusive, so I understand why my energy was constantly drained. The relationship I am in now is with a great guy who respects and supports me. I know I feel so much for him, but I can't help but think that men are constantly draining my energy. How do I maintain this healthy relationship but still keep my own identity as the woman I love and admire? When I was single, I felt like life was better, but I don't want this love to slip away. Girl, you are smart. Let me just say you're smart because so much of the good love that I experienced that later went wrong in relationships with men was because I failed to set boundaries that would allow me to protect my own self and my own personality and identity. And because I loved the man, I would open up my entire life for him. And I mean like, Every good man that I had ever been with, I would so quickly resent them after only a year or a few months because I would be like, oh, I feel so much for you, so let me give you all my time. Let me give you all my space. Let me let you do pretty much whatever you want with my life. Let me introduce you to all of my friends. Let me introduce you to my family. And let me include you into so many parts of my life that I don't even know how to discern my private self from my identity as a girlfriend. And I resented them for it. And it was really me who failed to protect my boundaries. And so you're smart if you're already thinking, how do I protect this person? And it very much is about boundary setting. 
Do not let anyone have constant access to you. Even if it's so what you feel like you want is to give this person all of your time and to give them all of your energy. Something has to be disciplined enough in yourself to withhold certain parts of yourself. And it's not about being secret. It's about having a private self that is completely unknown or inaccessible to other people. Because like I've said in, in previous episodes, whatever you allow people to take, they will take. People will leave nothing on the table if you give them those things. And men especially, men are takers. And so if you don't say, these are times that I need to myself or these are spaces. With me as a woman, I'm learning more and more that because I live by myself, I have to be extremely careful with who I let into my house. And every single man that I ever was romantically involved with, my space always became the venue of our romance. And that was very frustrating for me because when they would leave, that space had been tainted my own homes. I would look at it as a place in which I made love and made a home for all of these men. It caused resentment because extending a sense of comfort to these men was how I thought was best to show love, to be like, oh, this is your home too. But it wasn't. And I found that for my last relationship especially, I was becoming more and more resentful because I'd be like, why won't you pay my rent? Or why won't you buy the groceries? Why won't you contribute to this household that we've built? But at the end of the day, when I was moving out of that apartment, I realized that it was my apartment and I had just given too much space. And I think that that's the thing that we want to do because it's our way of showing love. But you have to give space in the ways that you are fully comfortable. I'm one of those people that I've always had a lot of male friends and I would feel very uncomfortable having to introduce my significant other to every single one of my male friends, especially if I had been previously romantically involved or I didn't want to have to explain all of my male friendships. And I realized that I shouldn't have even had to feel like I had to do that because I didn't. You have to understand that the only real relationships that deserve the sanctity of marriage are married relationships. And even married relationships, you have to have boundary setting and it has to be a constant conversation because that's a relationship that you're literally trying to turn into eternity. You're allowed to have a private self. You're allowed to have a completely private self. You're allowed to have a private life. You're allowed to have a past that you don't reveal parts of whatever is most comfortable for you so that you can continue to create good love and so that you can continue to build friendship all relationships have to function off of the basis of respect because romantic love ebbs and every single kind of love ebbs and flows our capacity to give love is always changing based on the circumstances around us based on the weather based on our our money situation based on our job it doesn't make it less unconditional but our ability to give it does become conditioned by our circumstance but respect which is very integral to love and it's the foundation of love that cannot waver that has to be built on very solid boundaries and, and understanding in order to give any kind of love to other people. So develop that and find out the things that are sacred to you that you don't want this person to necessarily be able to touch or alter and hold that close and hold yourself accountable to that and make him understand at any given moment, this is not because I don't love you. This is because I love me. Dear Viv, I've entered my 20s and have discovered that the little to non-existent relationship with my father has actually affected how I deal with men and when they hurt me. I find myself returning back to the insecure, anxious, confused little girl that came out when my father hurt me. Growing up, it was emotionally abusive. 
How do I fix this, handle this, just not to become that little girl again and let those feelings come every time a man hurts me emotionally? The only way, and this is gonna hurt, to transform the effects that your father has had on you and your relationships is to transform your relationship with your father. That is the most direct way to fix this. And it hurts because there's nothing harder than even wanting or trying to begin that work. I, I feel you 100%. My relationship with my father was terrible for years. And I realized that so much of the bar that I set for men or the kind of men that I welcomed into my life or the kind of men that I avoided, so much of it was dictated by my father, even though a lot of my childhood was formed by my father's absence. And so I had to confront those. I mean, you have to understand like, there would be men who called me out of my name and for a lot of my friends that's a complete deal breaker that is absolutely you would never ever ever talk to a man who called you a bitch my father was the first person who ever called me a bitch and my father used the word when he was angry in a way that i thought was casual i thought it was normal for people to do that i realized that I had to fix that not only because of how it developed in my relationship, but because I recognized a lot of those same characteristics in myself and how I produced my own anger. And I think the thing about women that we often underestimate is that fathers do not simply impact the way that we interact with love and other men, but the way that we interact with ourselves. And I think that part of me interacting with my father and trying to forgive my father came from not only wanting to know what negative parts of my romantic relationships he was affecting, but what parts of my personality came from him that I had been in complete denial of. My ability to hold a grudge and my ability to always say the meanest, most vile, worst, lowest thing, or, you know, even the things that I thought about my mother, the ways in which those were impacted by my father. And so you have to confront that relationship if you have a living father and you feel if there's any any way of reconciling that at all you have to start but it's going to have to come from an immense amount of strength on your part and the thing about dealing with our parents is that we have to do self-work in our solitude and in our own lives before we can go to doing that because what our parents say about us and think about us have probably more of an effect on the average person than anybody at all else in our lives I mean, I had to come, I couldn't even be friends with my father or begin to mend a lot of the broken ties that we had had until I became a woman and I had to become financially independent and I had to just become secure in myself because I couldn't need him for anything. It had to be a relationship that I fixed purely out of desire to have a father. It couldn't be because I needed a support system. It couldn't be because I needed somebody to lean on. It couldn't be because, you know, I didn't know myself and and I was looking for him to tell me who I was, it had to be a fully developed and, you know, decently strong person in order to approach my father and charge him with the pain that he had caused me. And then you have to ask yourself, are you even in a place where you can let that go? I realized that when I finally came to my father with the things that were hurting me, he actually had become the type of person that could take some accountability. And in a lot of ways he couldn't, but I realized it hadn't even mattered because I had realized that I was really doing him more of a favor 
and I was doing myself a favor and granting myself that freedom. And in my father, I saw a friend. I think that the funny thing is, you know, I love Warshenshire's book, giving birth to my mother because the title is just so apt. Your parents raise you the best that they can. Sometimes in a lot of ways it's not good enough and it's inadequate for all the things that a human being needs to come into the world and feel loved and feel okay. But then when you get older, it's about giving birth to your parents and it's about opening up things inside of them that you recognize come from their own unique hurt and trying to love that away from them. And honestly, as crazy as it sounds, I learned to love my father by becoming to him the person that I wanted him to be to me. My father, he was he would be the type of person who he wouldn't show up on birthdays when he said that he would, or he didn't buy me Christmas gifts, or he wouldn't ever give me enough. And so for me now, I always buy my father gifts. I never miss a Father's Day. I never miss a birthday. I'm always the first to call him. I always treat my father the way that I would always want him to treat me because I want him to experience that love. And you find that even though he doesn't directly reciprocate it, it becomes just an exchange of love that's extremely important and sometimes you realize that the reason why parents don't know how to give you something is because they themselves were not given that thing and it's the most heartbreaking and freeing thing in the world when you find out that your parents are people just like everybody else and with that being said when you think about how you interact with men you have to understand that even if your father apologized even if you and your father fully reconciled your issues it would not necessarily necessarily stop you from choosing or interacting with men in a certain way. It's not just your father, but men in general in the world that condition how women interact with men. And I know a lot of women who have actually really brilliant, good, loving, comforting, and secure fathers who still go out into the world and make poor choices in men because there are certain things that they haven't taken accountability for or understood about themselves. And sometimes if you find yourself constantly in that cycle, in that loop, you just have to take time and spend time alone. There are things that when I reconciled with my father, I began to understand that I hated about men that were reflected in him, but it didn't give me all of the answers. There was still so much work left to do and I realized that some of it, one, and really y'all are not going to like to hear this comes from how your mothers interact with men. I actually find a lot of the toxicity that I internalize with interacting with men came not from my father but from my mother and that's tea. And then there was stuff that I just learned from my environment and being out in the world and I had to realize what did I learn living in the ghetto? What did I learn growing up around black men? What kind of stuff did I internalize about sexuality growing up in church? It's not all about fathers at the end of the day. You should do that work because it is an honor and a privilege to have a parent and to be able to access your parent you have to do the work to reconcile that relationship for the both of you all's benefit you cannot abandon love like if there's any possibility for love you have to take a chance on it because it can transform your circumstances in ways you would never understand but there's also a lot of self-accounting that you have to do outside of those relationships because there's no amount of fixing certain relationships that could save you from certain behaviors and habits we we can blame our parents until the day is done, until they're gone, and we will still be here with the issues that they left us because there are certain things that you have to work out completely for yourself, completely for yourself. So you you do that work with your dad and you look and you say and you tell him straight up, I told my dad, you were verbally and emotionally abusive to me growing up. 
You called me out of my name. You said terrible things to me. You were violent. You were scary. And I was afraid of you. And I and I hated you at a point. And I had to tell my father that. And he had bared his own resentment against me. And whether or not I felt justified, I heard it out just the same. Because at that point, it didn't come, become about who was right and who was wrong. It became about fixing and finding love somewhere in all the brokenness. Because I want to be able to not just be a better parent to my kid, but I want when I finally have a baby father, (laughs) you know, husband aside, when I have a father of my children, I want to be able to be aware of who I'm choosing for that role. And I don't want it to just be a complete result of the residual pain that I didn't acknowledge with my relationship with my own father. You know what I'm saying? And so you do this work for so many different reasons and you do this work on an external and internal level. And I swear to you that between asking yourself those questions of why you do those things and interacting with your father directly, no matter how frustrating or scary or sad that may feel, doing that work always produces a transformation in yourself there is no way you could go through that work over even the course of a few months and not feel changed and if you never call your father up call your father up because there will come a day when you cannot call your father up and I know that your people are going to tell my father is the most vicious person you've ever met my father you won't believe what he did guess what hun I've been there you have no idea I could give you stories that you would not quite even believe And if I could find the strength to do that for myself, forgiving my father, forgiving my father was the best gift I ever gave myself. There has not been work more important in my life, not not a podcast, not an essay, not a there's not a thing in the whole wide world that has been more gratifying to me than being able to find a friend in a man that for so long I decided there was no other way to live my life but to hate him. And the love that it's allowed me to produce in the men in my life, I'm sure that they would thank me, I'm sure that they would thank him. On a similar note, Dear Viv, I'm recently leaving a long abusive relationship with the mother of my first son. We haven't been together for some time now, so I'm beyond ready to move forward. But the thought of my son not having my guidance frightens me. Rekindling our relationship is not an option, so what do you think I should do? Quote unquote, I'm beyond ready to move forward. And you know what? It is healthy and you know episode 15 was letting go so I completely understand moving forward from a romance with a long hardened relationship with your baby's mom but you don't move forward from fatherhood friend you are a father that is an eternal and holy lifelong responsibility you are a father until you are in the ground and even after that let me tell you something I deeply deeply empathize with you I empathize with young fathers perhaps more than anybody else when I was in high school my best friend Eric he got a girl pregnant and he came to me and he was completely terrified because he said I don't think that I'm ready to be a father and I told him it doesn't matter if you're ready because you're a father now and I wrote an entire story for NPR about teen fathers and how much their stories had been neglected amongst all of the talk about you know teen moms I understand it's extremely complicated especially because so often with young fatherhood that also accompanies estranged relationships with the mothers of your children so I get it but you're not off the hook if you know that your baby's mom is an abusive person what makes you think that those characteristics will not reflect themselves in her parenting 
parenting. You have a responsibility to protect your child because let me ask you something, who else is going to do it? Who? If you haven't gone to the wall for that kid, if you have not exercised every single possibility to be a part of your child's life, there, it doesn't matter if you can reconcile with her or not. You are failing. You should. There should not be a waking day that you can smile or eat or drink. Like it cannot be an afterthought in the back of your mind nagging you like, oh, did I turn the lights off on my car? No, you're talking about a child. You're talking about a living human being and you're young now, but there will come a day when you're 40 and 50 years old and the complete product of your child's personality, a whole adult in the world who's making choices, who's making decisions, who's making purchases, who's making votes, who's out living their full life. It could either mean that they are a well-adjusted, loved person who has a firm knowledge in their mind that if nobody else in the entire world loves them, you love them. Or they could be another person, one more fucked up person who's depressed and anxious and asking Viv, how do I reconcile with my father who was so absent and decided that because of my crazy ass mom, we didn't need a relationship. How could you be okay with that? The work that you're going to do as a parent is going to be the most difficult and heartbreaking and exciting and invigorating and important work that you could ever do. It does not matter if you never vote again, if you never add one more dollar to the economy, if you never show up to another person's birthday party, if you never do anything else in your life right, if you provide good love to a child, that is more valuable than what most people do in 10 lifetimes. Because there's too many fathers deciding that it's optional. There's too many fathers that are walking away when it gets difficult. There are too many fathers deciding that, oh, I tried my best. It didn't work out. And you just have to flip your entire mindset. I'm telling you this because I wouldn't be okay if I didn't reiterate and iterate and iterate again that you have to do all that you can. And it doesn't have to be that you'll have this woman in your life. It could very much be that there's a third party that manages the entire relationship. Talk to your parents, talk to her parents, talk to your best friends. Somebody in your life should be able to mitigate it where they can deal with her for the betterment of that child because everyone signed up for that responsibility. It's not enough to just be present at a baby shower. It's not enough to be present through a pregnancy, for through preschool, through middle school. Like you have the ent- your entire life. There will come a day when you are not young and you do not want to know that there is a 20, 30, 40 year old person out there who goes around feeling unloved or like half of themselves is missing. It's just not okay. With what we know now about the effects of that, with the world that we've shared, the stories that you've heard, what you may have experienced in your own life, you know the effects of that. So honestly, how dare you? And you can say, you know, fuck Bianca, I'm done listening to this podcast. And that will be fine because if you've heard up until now, you really understand what I'm trying to say and you need to go out into the world and you need to fully take care of your responsibilities and I believe that you can do that and I am expecting you to do that. Dear Viv, I'm 28 years old and I've been suffering with depression for the past two years now. And a lot of it comes from my childhood having been taken away from my mother at seven years old. I don't have a relationship with my mother or father, not really but by choice because they disappoint me every time I try and get close. I have lived my life in fear for so long and I find myself always feeling alone. So my question is that I have a boyfriend that I love very much and I'm afraid for us to move in because in my mind I'm afraid of being let down. The biggest reason 
that we get constricted in a place of fear is because we are afraid that we do not have full control over something. And the thing is that with love always, you never have full control. And in fact, the definition of love many times is relinquishing control in order to feel something that is much more important than control. And you take that chance every single time that you decide to love. Love and fear are completely incompatible. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear outright. And if you love this person and you've decided that you want to take this chance, then the only way to be in the full moment and experience good love and experience that comfort is to relinquish that fear. And only you can decide if you're ready to do that. Here's the thing about these sorts of choices. At any given moment, you can either live in the past or you can live in the present, thus beginning the future. But it's only one or the other at any given moment. And at any given moment, you can decide that the past is the past. I know that we develop these narratives about ourselves, especially with parents. And this is why I have to reiterate how important it is to reconcile with family or to address these rooted pains that are caused by our families and caused by our parents because it becomes a lifelong identification of who we are and it becomes a lifelong self-valuation of if we are worthy of love or not. That always starts in our first households. And when you really come to terms with that and you reconcile with that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you develop a relationship with your parents or develop a relationship with your family. Sometimes it means that you just acknowledge that pain for what it is and you move on. And moving on means allowing every single person that enters your life a brand new start. And when you relinquish yourself from constantly paying for failed relationships in other relationships, then you also relinquish other people from that responsibility. Because even from your standpoint now, whether you move in with this person or not, he is now also paying for your fear. It's not just you who has an inability to experience the full capacity of his love. Your ability to give love is also being restricted and thus you're cheating somebody who has given their full self to you despite what they've been through, the opportunity of a good love. When when we constrict ourselves to our fear, it affects every single person in our life. When we decide that we have a fundamental inability to move on, every single person that's tethered to us we keep them in that same place but most importantly we keep ourselves there that's a huge step moving in with somebody and you have to take into full account sure would I even want to live with this person is that where our relationship is at is this the only way that I can show love if I'm not ready to make that step all of those questions come into account as well but really this narrative that you fixated on about your parents and this fear it's just time to move on from it it's time to to say I may have fear I acknowledge that I have fear and my fear is not going away in the immediate moment but my love for you is more important than my fear the thing is is that oftentimes love and fear are incompatible meaning they can't dwell in the same place but it doesn't mean that they don't combat themselves in our mind at the same time at any given moment I'm choosing love over fear and I've had this lesson so much in the last few weeks with the relationships that 
I've been developing, having to be like, I love you more than I'm fixated on my anger. I love you more than my fear of you leaving me. I love you more than my fear of not having control over who you become. These are questions that I'm dealing with in romance, in family, in work. I'm having to produce more love at any given moment than I am fear, but that starts from an idea that I deserve to live the best life possible. You're 28 years old. You're about to enter into a new decade of your life. Don't you think that you deserve the best life possible? Don't you think that you're worthy of that? And if it's and if you don't think that you're worthy of that, then start from that place. Start from episode one, you know? We take this journey step by step, but don't move in without having asked yourself that that question. If you haven't even taken the steps of, am I, am I worthy of love? Can I really take in good love and give out good love? If you haven't made it that far in your journey yet, maybe you should not necessarily be moving in with a lover. And I say this because I preemptively committed to relationships without having developed certain parts of myself and I regretted it. And I have very, very close friends that I see that they have not developed very important parts of themselves as men and women, and they have highly committed themselves to relationships to sometimes the point of even engagement and haven't yet fully understood what they need or what they want out of life or who exactly they are. And that will only set you back years and years and years and cause pain to the people that really do love you. And so just take that time on yourself to ask yourself those questions. And if you're asking yourself, do you deserve good love? honey I'm here to tell you episode 1 through 16 you deserve it you deserve it and then some every single person who's out here trying deserves to be loved every single person who's out here asking themselves can I be better how can I love people better how can I do this every single person that's self-questioning who's doing the work on self deserves more than enough good love from other people and the people in your life and to let you know there are people who are going to love you in different and better ways than your parents ever could. And if they walked away, understand that that's their loss. And I mean, it seems like a cliche and maybe nobody else has ever told you that, but I have to just tell you that it's their loss. And that's why I have to, I have to tell that young man that wrote me, if you miss out on your child's life, if you make that decision to walk away, that's your loss. For whatever trials and tribulations, you miss out on somebody's life who expected good love from you and would have given you everything that they had and all that they are, just as I have given my parents. They know that it's a privilege to be a parent at any given moment. It is a privilege to be constantly forgiven. It's a privilege to be included in accomplishment. And I know that it is a privilege to be a daughter and it's a privilege to be a lover. It's a privilege to be a roommate. It's a privilege to be a friend. To participate in good love is our privilege and you don't want fear to constrict the full enjoyment of the privilege of being loved. That's all we have for today, guys. If you have made it this far in the episode, then I love you. (laughs) Episode 16, you know, I didn't know what this was going to be. I appreciate the letters that you all have sent me. I've gotten such crazy responses for the last few episodes. And to just know that this message has been spreading and that this conversation has been 
met by a wider audience and such an inviting audience. It's meant so, so much for me and to all of my followers who wish me a happy birthday or who wrote to me telling me how much they love Ask Viv or who even sent me books off of my Amazon wish list. Like, I really, really appreciate it, guys. There is nothing more exciting to me than entering into the next year of my life, just knowing that I have the full support of so many people. When this show started nearly a year ago, it'll be a year in December. December with me just you know crunched up in a ball on my bed with my phone saying I'm Bianca Vivion and this is Ask Viv that was such a risk-taking moment for me and to see how far it's come 16 episodes in hundreds of listeners per episode to see what it means to you all is oh I can't even explain how much it just fills my heart and keeps me warm in this very cold season that we are about to enter with that being said no love grow love accept good love guys do not abandon love do not give up on love in the words of Baldwin if you've trusted love this far trust it all the way I am super excited to now that I have been in this planning stages for an episode 20 listening party and if you are in New York hope that you all will show up thank you all so much every single time thank you so so much for listening to this more love more life I'm Bianca Vivion and this is Ask Viv Take care of me.